Welcome to Definitely Maybe Agile, a podcast where Peter Madison and David Shurrock discuss the complexities of adopting new ways of working at scale. Hello, Dave. How are you today? You sound very... We were just having a very energetic conversation and that sounded a little slower. And Oh, so I was just trying to like calm it down because we're getting all riled up. Fair enough. So what were you getting riled up about? What was I getting riled up about? Well, we, we, we had an interesting article across my feed that I sent over and it was basically a review or summation of a recent State of Agile report by uh, Digital AI. And uh, out of that, we were we were having an interesting conversation about some of the results, which lined up with some of the things we've been talking about on this podcast over some of the last recent episodes. And we thought it might be a, a good chat about like what we see as some of the reasons behind that. And we'll we'll include a link to the article in the show notes. And uh, if I just kind of draw out one of the key numbers that was listed or discussed, that state of the agile survey, um, we've followed this year on year, and I don't know if anybody's uh, had a chance to read them. They're really very interesting read about how Agile is being adopted. And they normally have hundreds, if not thousands of recipients through that survey. And I think in in until very recently, the numbers have always been going up, you know, satisfaction with agility, adoption of agility, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. It's always been going kind of on this trajectory upwards. And I think in the last year, two years, that it's sort of peak agile, right? It's just beginning mm-hmm. to wrap the top. And one of the interesting numbers that this article jumped on was the drop in satisfaction with agility. This 72%, if you look at the last state of agile survey, 72% of recipients were satisfied with the agile methods they were using. And that number in the current, the latest report is 59%. And obviously that's a big drop. Yeah, the the agile practices that the organization uses. And, it, and there's this correlation that's listed there too between uh, the potentially the size of the organization. So those organi- parts of the organization that are... Uh, are smaller, uh, those types of organizations are more satisfied than larger organizations, larger organizations being the ones who are less satisfied. Well, and I think this has so much to do broadly with that adoption curve, the technology adoption curve that has been everybody's referenced in many different ways. And I think when we look at the adoption of agile practices, we're way past, you know, the 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 chasm and we're definitely in the sort of late majority and creeping to the end of that adoption curve in terms of agility. So the two things that come out of that is one is we're seeing adoption in much larger organizations. And of course, these large organizations have a have many, many different arms to what it is that they do, and they need many different approaches, solutions to to you know to to solve the, the environments they're working in. And then secondly, of course, as you go into that late adoption, you're getting less satisfaction. They're late adopters, not because they're really excited about adopting something, but because it's the last thing they want to do. So they do it late. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, the, and I think, as you were just saying there, that one of the problems is this this idea that it's one size fits all. And and that's, that's, that's where in large organizations, they start to run into a problem because in, in a large organization, you have working systems that function and generate revenue for the organization that are, and uh, which are well understood and processes and systems in place that manage and continually generate that revenue for the organization. And try, trying to directly come in and make rapid changes into those environments 
may not necessarily be the best idea. It may not be the best method to apply to that, at least in a sort of holistic, direct sense. Well, and I think uh, when you're sort of driving the adoption of something new, it's taking the blue pill or the red pill, you know, all all in or all out is is a very reasonable way for kind of driving that adoption. But in once it is the norm and it, it now becomes something which is more nuanced, right? And and we now have to we now have to think about we have to think about a lot more about what the intent is, what's being incentivized. Because, you know, it isn't just about this. I think this is just touching on this is something that we sometimes misread, like satisfied with agile means maybe there's something that agile is not suited to or it is suited to or whatever. And a lot of the behaviors certainly we've been discussing is it isn't as simple as saying this is really suitable to an agile approach or an agile methodology. This is what should be done because it depends how that agile methodology is recognized, rewarded, supported in an organization. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly it. I mean, if the, for it to work, it requires a lot of fundamental pieces to be in place. It needs leadership or support and guidance. It needs practices supporting the technical excellence of the teams. It needs uh, it needs the ability and understanding within those areas. It needs guidance all through that. It needs self-sufficiency of teams. So all of these things to be true is a lot. And and it's a lot to put all of those in place. And uh, if some of the key components are missing, then trying to to execute it into that environment is going to be very difficult, if not impossible. And I think uh, this is one of the things, again, anybody who's followed the state of agile surveys, one finding consistently in the last few years has been, you will not succeed if your leaders are not bought in and supporting and proactively driving that change across an organization. Yeah. And we see this time again, right? When it's like, hey, I can, uh, when you've got the leadership at the top and he's saying, okay, I got these five leaders, you go make a billion, 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 you go make a billion. It's the same billion you had to make last year. Go make that money. But it's like, by the way, could you do that sort of transformation piece on the side? And the, the leaders are just sitting there. If they've, if they've got no other incentive, they're going, well, I know how I did it last year. I have, yeah. I'm not going to change how I did it because that might mean I don't get my bonus that's based off that. So yep. I've got no incentive to change at this point. I'm just going to do the same thing I did before. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, it's interesting what you, that that whole comment on incentives. I'd say that one of the most significant adjustments that I've made in my own approach to transformation projects and programs has been the time that we will spend to understand the objective and what's driving that change. And I and I, if I look back over my career, if I look earlier on in the career. The, the kind of agile label was its own objective in the sense that they were small organizations or they're bringing it on in the early adopter phase. And it's it's really the primary reason for making the change. Whereas more and more nowadays is uh, we have to understand, are the objectives aligned with that sort of a transformation to the way you're working? Or is the way you're working good enough for what you need? To your point, is it going to get the attention? Is it, you know, let's add this as the 13th sub bullet to our strategic objective? Or is it something that's really getting airtime and attention, budget and, and so on? Yeah, because when it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. It's uh, there's got to be some kind of hook to to change. There's got to be something that's going to uh, uh, be there to help drive it and to make it because because it's a lot of work. There's a lot of work involved in making these things, these types of changes happen. And if it's uh, something that's sort of an afterthought in the overall organizational goals, then it isn't going to go anywhere. Well, and I think if we if we you know take start with that 
statement that you made about one one size does not fit all we all you know that's that sort of um start where people are but also understand what the change is the intention is and then understand that journey will vary depending on what your objective is i think we get into it a really interesting conversation at that point about how you design that journey but i'm also it's it's a it's very easy to go and grab the thing that's right in front of people to say, this is what we need to, to have that journey happen. Whereas actually, uh, this is that piece that I tell about us being more, it takes longer to decide what that journey should look like, because we need to be more thoughtful about maybe it's a lean approach, maybe it's an agile approach, maybe it has nothing to do with any of these performance improvement, because what you actually have to do is build a, let's say, a digital product perspective some sort of you know a digital customer mindset in the organization before you can worry about how you get work done yeah I, one of the one of the indicators that um that we often look for is that kind of first stopping point is uh, how when you watch the leaders how willing are they to um put the hand up and sort of do mea culpa it's uh, something's gone wrong uh, I'm, I'm i can i'm a accountable for this um oh let's let's look at what we could do about that and they actually their problems aren't problems aren't something to go find somebody to blame for <laughs> problems are something to be understood uh, explored and learned from and and that that key piece there is absolutely essential uh to really have any agile practice start to move forward well any change right yeah. so any we change. don't have to limit it to agile and i really like what you say. so if i just pull out one thing there because i think organizations there are there are things that they do that they don't expect any problems whatever that is and if if they're and they're very impatient with challenges in those areas and that's because they don't expect to change those they just feel that that is the norm whatever it is this is the this is what we do really well so how do we, you know, when there are problems there, it, it's it's a lack of competence rather than anything else. But if you then go like into the next meeting room to discuss a different place, maybe they're trying to enter a new market or they're trying to to expand the product, uh, you know, the, the the suite of products they have to take on some new uh, new type of, of service, whatever it might be. In those contexts, they often are very understanding of missed objectives missed goals problems that come up and so on because they understand that's much more of an explore we've got to figure out how to solve this and it's not clear so there's this interesting i, I really like what you're saying about listening to the tone and the vocabulary and what the leaders are responding to because it tells you are you in a space where they just expect things to work the way they've always worked and and a problem there is a problem and it's not something that we want to hear about. We just expect you to deal with it versus the area where they know they have to go and discover and uncover and change and whatever it might be. And they, they're, they're yeah, it's, open. It's interesting. I mean, from a coaching perspective, we think of this as being more more open. They're, they're, they're like they're, they're holding space themselves to listen. They're, they're listening and learning. It's a much different approach, right? It's a, They're approaching the conversation in a different way. Uh, so it's uh, I like that. That's a, quite a, a good way of thinking, of it, especially when you consider that these can be two meeting rooms and uh, potentially even the same person moving between the meeting yeah. rooms. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, it, and it often is, isn't it? It's often, yeah. you know, um, uh, which is, I think it, it all speaks to that idea that we have to be um, listening, observing, and <laughs> I just think of the, the jumping to the, to the solution all the time. How do we prevent ourselves jumping to the solution? How do we listen and reflect back and 
think about what's really needed. Yeah, and and uh, I mean, I mean, a part of that is is uh, jumping on a solution. Uh, the part of that is thinking about the uh, um, have we given space for that to even happen. I mean, one of one of the big problems you see when you run into those types of crises, and we're going a little off topic here, but is that you you see people uh, immediately jump through that without thinking about it investigating and trying to truly understand the problem before they dive into the, the solution but anyway well, back to back to <laughs> you're absolutely right yes definitely so the uh for, so the 72 to 59 teams satisfied with their agile and how would you sum up some of the things that we've been talking about here today yeah and i think uh um maybe there's there's three things that sort of jump to mind one is the technical adoption curve means we would expect people at some point as we add more people to the agile ways of working community, if you like, that at some point there'll be more and more people who are frustrated by it. It's uncomfortable. It's not what they feel happy with. So you would expect it to peak and then drop as you bring more and more of the late majority into into that community. That's one side. I think the second point is the correlation with the size of the organization. A smaller organization, simpler context, agile, DevOps, whatever thing that you're talking about may well be a significant improvement in that environment. Everybody's happy. You get to larger organizations, there's just much more different things they have to solve for, and they'll need different tools in different contexts. So it's not all or nothing. It's one more tool set, one more methodology or approach in a range of different ones that they're using. And so there's a lot more chance that it's being used in the wrong context yeah there's a, there's a lot more variety of what the opportunities are and it's so so yeah in l- larger organizations um it, it would be naive to think that you can just take this and just blindly apply a particular model or method across the whole organization it's just not going to happen and um, and so thinking about are we applying the right ways of working to the right uh, um, problems is a is a yeah. critical one or to adapt it to adopt them in the right ways. Right. Well, thank you as always for the conversation, Dave. It, uh, it's always fun. And uh, we'll uh, chat again soon. Yeah, for sure. Until uh, next get time. to subscribe. <laughs> Till next time. You've been listening to Definitely Maybe Agile, the podcast where your hosts, Peter Madison and David Sharrock, focus on the art and science of digital, agile, and DevOps at scale.